If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is personal, as always. My, my very handsome, very dapper, great shirt today, by the way, co-host, John Small. Well, thank you, Len, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, yes, I am wearing my EPMD shirt. This was a gift from my late, great friend, Adam Schlesinger. He gave me this for my birthday, I think, a few years ago. So it has yeah. particularly sentimental value to me. Love this band, love this shirt. And Len, you're wearing a special shirt today, too. I'm wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt. So nice. It's very, it's very like pyrographic. It, it's like something out of a heavy metal a, magazine. Well, it's a very futuristic uh, right. Like kind. Of, you're right. It's one of those uh, old school heavy metal magazine ones because it got a bunch of colors and there's a spaceship and all that other stuff. But <laughs> that was... Led Zeppelin is one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, I have a bunch of Zeppelin shirts, but this one's, uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I love Led Zeppelin. So we, we can talk about Led Zeppelin. We can talk about Willie all. Dixon. We can talk about them winning the lawsuit against the, what was the band name? Um, the one that sued them for Stairway. They just oh. won a lawsuit, by the way. Why so did they, they actually, if you listen to the song that band did, it sounds very, very similar to Stairway. And they said that Zeppelin stole them because they opened for them somewhere, somehow. But right. They, they of course, when Zeppelin, up. I think we talked about this last time, when Zeppelin sues, it's always a little <laughs> bit like, dudes, you took so many riffs from the great blues. But anyway, I get it. I'm surprised well, they haven't sued that band that sounds exactly like them. Um, Greta Van Fleet. Yep, Greta Van Fleet. That band is like, I mean, it's a nod to them, I guess. You ever hear them say that, no, we we didn't, no, we're not even Zeppelin fans. They, they I mean, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. really? That part makes it no. just worse. Like, it just acknowledge yeah. it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And and Robert Plant did say, he's like, he gave him a lot of compliments. Like, yeah, I can see that, you know, there was some influence and these guys are good. I mean, and they're really good, too. Let, so I mean, let's play a clip. You tell us if this sounds like Zeppelin. Very, very similar to <laughs> the guy sounds just like Robert Plant and Page and so when Willie Dixon's estate sued Zeppelin, he won. So Willie Dixon got a lot of credit back on the you know the tracks that he Oh good. Um, All right. So so it's not like Zeppelin hasn't paid for their sins. Listen, yeah. Zeppelin is <laughs> All right. So you uh I want to start off a kind of a well, I guess a a disturbing note. I saw on Facebook that you had a near-death experience. Tell us yeah. about it. I, I laugh almost nervously because the word death always freaks me out. But tell us about what happened to you. First of all, I'm kind of a little bit off today, and I'll tell you why. So I took a bunch of my supplements, uh, and I added another new supplement, and I had them in my coffee like I usually do, and I started feeling nauseous. So I started looking at a, you know our genetic report, EndoDNA now has – uh, vitamin and nutrient interaction, not only drug interaction with cannabinoids, 
but I took my CBD and I realized that there's an interaction with zinc and I have a predisposition for that. So I'm like, yeah, that's probably, and I looked at my multivitamins got zinc in it. Mm. So I think it kind of threw me off. So I'm like, yeah, I wasn't feeling really well, but I'm glad that we have that as a guide. So if anybody's taking like prescription medication or anybody's taking vitamins, nutrients, anything of like that, and are consuming even CBD, CBD can actually act as an inhibitor of your prescription medication. Mm. So you, you want to know uh, that. Be aware of that. Yeah. But yeah. So I was, um, was walking my dog as I do every morning. I live in a very quiet residential neighborhood with houses everywhere. There's no lights. There's a, a stop sign, a little tiny street, very, very few cars go through. I walk there every morning. I'm walking and I made a mistake. And I, I actually tell my daughter never to do this. When you're crossing the street, don't take your eye off uh, where you're going and don't look at your phone. <laughs> what I did, I was trying to post something on Instagram and this post wasn't going through. And I'm like clicking post, post, post. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see a car turning directly into me. Oh, shit. I was uh, at the last second. I sort of lifted my leg and like kicked it behind me to move out of the way. I felt the bumper of the car on my leg hairs as it whizzed right by me and right into a tree. Holy and shit. like totaled. Airbags went off. Oh, my and, God. I'm like, what the fuck? And I was shocked. My dog was freaking out. She just, she's scared of everything anyway. And she wanted to go, go home right away. Yeah. But man, that was, so I just stood there like sort of shocked for a second. But my initial instinct was to find out the lady was okay. I didn't know who was driving. She got out of the car and she's like, oh my God, you, I didn't see you. I didn't see you. I'm like, I'm not that little. I mean, how could you not see me? Right. She must have, must have taken her eyes right off. Was she, she turning? She was turning. Yeah. And she was turning directly into me, man. And she crashed. Her car was totaled. Like the whole, it was a big, big palm tree, which had like a little bit of a dent in it. But mm. a car, the entire hood, she was driving a Chevy Volt and the entire hood, everything was smashed in. So I'm like, are you okay? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, do you want me to call the cops? You know, she said, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay. And this was early in the morning. So I don't know yeah. if she was, there's no way she was drunk, I, I would say. But she did have the election results blasting in her radio really, really loud. So I don't know. I don't know if that was a distraction with whatever side she's going for. So I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> if maybe, somebody maybe said the she, recount and she, she was a Trump out. supporter, she was completely freaking out. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you, have, so she's fine. Have you talked to her since? No. No, she was fine. And I kind of, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I felt a little, like I felt grateful. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in one piece. And I couldn't put it all together. I wasn't sure, like, uh, you know, I know I have a new lease on life. Like I was going back, but at that time I was, I was sort of shocked. It's like, I know it just happened. And I walked, I started walking and people were there walking their dogs and riding their bikes. And they were like, you okay? You okay? I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm okay. And everybody like, went outside and they were, they were looking and I just walked by them. I said, yeah, I'm okay. And I just went home and then sort of sat down and tried to like meditate on it. Like, well, this is what just happened. There's mm. a meaning behind this. Right. So it's not my time. Uh, but yeah, man, at the very least I would have had a mangled leg at the very least. Cause she was going, she was going fast enough where, and she didn't stop at the stops. I was going to say, was there a stop sign before she took yeah. the turn? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't, she stop, didn't stop at the stop sign. She just turned. And oh, it's, uh, it's, she a was totally distracted. God. So I, I'm, I'm super grateful. Well, I'm happy that you are still with us, Lynn, and, and that turned out okay. What, what do you think the lessons you're taking away from that are? Well, the number one lesson is that we, every single day is not guaranteed. You're given this gift. And what you should be doing is making the best out of the gift that you're given every single day. When you wake up in the morning, the sun is shining or the rain is falling or snowing, wherever it is, just be grateful that you're given that one day and then see what you can do today better than you did yesterday and see what you can do to make a true difference in the world or at least in somebody's life or, you know, in your kids and your right. parents and your loved ones, whatever it is that you're doing, because nobody's guaranteed anything in the blink of an eye things can change. And I know that you know this, uh, yourself. So yeah, that's, I have, that's I mean, take. knock on wood, I haven't had too many near death experiences, but I've certainly had experiences where, yeah, where you just like, if that could have gone a little bit differently, 
that I might not have been here. And I think it's amazing. I also, I blame Instagram because mainly because it's just another reason for me to get mad at Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> but uh, I don't know why it's so slow to yeah. up, upload. And had it had it uploaded a little faster, you know, this wouldn't even have been an issue. You would have stopped. In seriousness, we're so addicted to our devices that we don't even realize half the time that we're looking at them. My wife tells a story there was a guy who almost ran into her on the street and he was text. She could see that he was texting or whatever. He was on his phone and he swerved off and hit a utility pole. And then when she looked over, he was still text. He was like finishing his text <laughs> even half, even after <laughs> like, that's the, the ultimate. Addiction. Oh, sorry for the pause. I yeah. just had to crash. Yeah, sorry. I just like, had to crash in his utility pole. Let me, let me just finish <laughs> this text. I mean, it was unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, I, I catch myself all the time, you know, just in a sort of, days with my phone and uh yeah texting and walking is not not advisable outside i believe hawaii i think there's a law for crossing the street on your phone like you get an action you yeah. get a ticket for that the worst is when you're you know you're about to take a right turn there's a pedestrian crossing and they're on their phone and you're just like waiting for them and they're just like i'm gonna take my merry old time you know and they're just like and you're just like Arr. But I can. But the thing is, then I realized that that could have been me. Like I could be the guy texting. Is I've definitely been that guy. Well, I got pulled over for that. Somebody was walking on a green light intersection, right? And they were almost at the curb, and there was two lanes. Yeah. So I decided to turn, and a cop pulled me over. He said, "Yeah." And to, gave me a ticket because they have to be was fully. Like, was it Beverly They have Hills? to be fully across on the sidewalk before I turn. Wow. I'm like, oh, I had that as a cop looking to just make a few extra dollars. <laughs> Because, I mean, you, everybody does that. I mean, can you imagine? I've noticed in certain parts of L.A., the cops are just ruthless. Like in, in Beverly Hills, I've had issues with just the stupidest things. Like the cops there. Beverly Hills cops, they will pull you over for anything. They do not well, care. Unless you have a Trump thing on the back of your... <laughs> I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think they're bored. Yeah. There's not a lot of things going not on. Not a lot going Hills. on there. Except for Trump rallies, which shocked me. There was a ton of Trump rallies in Beverly Hills. I guess it yeah, shouldn't it was- shock me because it's sort of like a... There's two kinds of Trump voters. There's like the people who are maybe less educated, less informed oftentimes. And then there's these kind of rich guys who don't want to pay taxes. Right? That's, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's our Beverly Hills crowd. But there was an arrest. Wasn't there an arrest? Doesn't Offset or somebody in his car uh, get arrested? They were driving by a Trump. I don't know. I don't read any gossip, but it was on a feed. And my daughter was telling me about it. Somebody had a gun and they... Uh, they were driving through a Trump rally and showed a gun out the window and they got pulled over or something. Whoa. Like in Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills? Yeah. Oh, Lord. The world we live in. <laughs> well, I'm trying to stay positive. It's still so divisive. Like, I thought <clears throat> when Biden came out and when he gave a speech, I'm like, that's what I want to hear. I mean, like, whatever, whatever, politics aside, let's kind of unite. Grown up, yeah. Elevate. Yeah. And I was like, I was talking to people that I know are Trump voters, including my dad. And they just he hung up it. on me. I, well, I, I, I called <laughs> him. up on you. <laughs> I called him and, and I uh, gave my condolences. I said, uh, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, he, he wasn't happy about that. That's adding salt to the wounds. Yeah, it feels good. After little, four years of them yeah. adding salt to our wounds, it's kind of nice sometimes to, to, to little, play, a little to bit. It wasn't, the it wasn't too bad. So we, we probably know. lost half of our Trump listeners now, if there were ever any of them. Uh, your dad, your dad just turned off the radio. I'm not even sure he listens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what else is? I'm I'm just happy you're alive and well. I think when we when we cut off last time, you were about to get into an interesting observation about Henry Ford. It sounded like it was a little bit conspiracy theory ish, but I will I'm I will be open minded and listen. I'm always uh, skeptical. I you know I have to do my own research, but I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sure that tell me what you found out and. About well, Mr. Henry Ford. I know he's not a good man. That I know. What I always try to do, like, I love history. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to figure out what the history of prohibition is and try to go back and, and see if I can get a little bit of a, an understanding of what was going on at the time. So we know for thousands of years, people were using cannabis as a, a medicine, as a spiritual tool, all these different things. There's plenty of evidence of that. When... Uh, Late 1800s, early 1900s, when cannabis really came here in this whole elixir, there was this whole uh, movement on uh, these snake oil salesmen that were selling all these different tinctures. And a lot of them worked. They just didn't understand why. Right. But 
what was happening at the same time in the, the very early 20th century with all this industrial revolution and Henry Ford and cars, music started changing. So we started getting this jazz scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was happening in the jazz scene was that the initial jazz scene, white players and black players were playing together. And there was no segregation in jazz. It was just all about musicianship. I was listening to a podcast uh, Don was, who's the uh, president of Blue Note Records. He was given this whole uh, history of jazz and how it came to the country. And he was saying, like, you couldn't tell a white player from a black player, from singers. Everybody's sort of, it was this new thing. Yeah. And it was this new genre. And the kids were loving this and they were danced to this. And they started dancing and there was a there was this dance where the women and men were sort of doing this grind sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, the white parents of the girls, especially, they were grinding with the black boys in these jazz jam sessions. They were really tripping and they were saying like, holy shit, this is not good. Jazz was just you know, there was no labels or anything like that. So when the first labels, there was immigrants that came from Germany and the uh, Blue Notes, one of them, they're Jewish immigrants. And what they did was they started signing these musicians and cutting records. Right. And uh, here's what Henry Ford comes in. <laughs> and this is my conspiracy theory, but anybody can check it in and tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm right or whatever. So Henry Ford was a well-known anti-Semite. Yes. And this is not a conspiracy. He actually wrote and contributed to something called the International Jew. Mm-hmm. So the Inter- International Jew was a publication that said the conspiracy was the Jews are taking over the world. They're taking over, uh, you know, your financial institutions. And we all know about the media, uh, which was at that time not true. And I'll, I'll tell you what the media kind of uh, uh, angle to this. But what he was mostly concerned about is these musicians and uh, because it, it was a it was an integrated kind of way for you know blacks and whites and whoever it is and mexican whoever it is to get together and dance and have fun and enjoy themselves to the music right so he started lobbying as much as possible against it and part of the international jew they can't have labels like this they can't have integrated labels so he, through his uh, propaganda and all the things that he was doing, uh, he started pushing these labels. And then the, you had the first segregated jazz label, I believe, and also, you know, somebody can fact check me, uh, was OK Records. Yeah. And they started the uh, segregated label. So from then on, they started segregating the clubs as well. So white kids and black kids couldn't really dance together, but they still would. And that's when... Uh, William Randall Hearst started reporting on this stuff. And then they conspired to do several different things, and including Thomas Edison. So number one, DuPont and uh, William Randall Hearst, they got together to do two things. Number one, they wanted to make all their newspapers, all the publications out of wood and not hemp as things were printed back in the day. Also clothing. So they came up with a new way, new materials, new synthetic materials like polyesters, et cetera, that would replace hemp as a fabric. <clears throat> they su- supported Harry Anslinger, uh, that he was the main guy that was locking people up. And they actually started uh, lobbying to have some uh, legislation uh, created, which was 1937 uh, Marijuana Stamp Tax Act, mm. which was uh, a tax on all the hemp farmers and then became illegal. But what happened was they also funded Reefer Madness. And the main thing was that Thomas Edison owned movie theaters and then they had Jewish movie theaters. They wouldn't allow Jewish uh, directors or anybody else to participate in these things. So they segregated the movie theaters. So now the talent uh, was segregated. So they had to go up to the Catskills and everything else and and have them Borschfeld and have their own. And what he did was when they funded Reefer Madness, he made sure that every single one of his movie theaters also showed Reefer Madness before they showed the main event. Come on, darling. Everything will be over soon. You want me to play something for you? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Play something. All right. Come on. Honey, give me a smoke, will you? Master. 
So all these people, and this is Edison, Ford, William Randall Hearst, and DuPont. And that's sort of the beginning of how they used music and jazz. And then they said, you know, your farm workers are coming, bringing marijuana to jazz musicians. The jazz musicians are getting high and they're dancing with your white daughters mm. and then they're raping them in the alley. And here's a movie called Reefer Madness that shows you like a documentary that shows you exactly what they're doing. So that's my connecting the dots with Henry Ford and, uh, you know, all these guys in terms of uh, why anti-Semitism and uh, a whole bunch of... Anti-cannabinism. I mean, definitely yeah, prohibition. Anti-marijuanaism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was always used to grab a group of people who are a minority and could be any type of minority for the greater good of their own personal gains. Henry Ford supported the Nazi party initially. He was a big supporter of what was going on there. And, and you know, he did not hide the fact. And only after his death, I think his estate was trying to detract. But if anybody wants to Google, it's pretty simple. Look at the international Jew. And that's by Henry Ford. And he writes that. And if you look at the cartoons that were published in this magazine, it has uh, guys with hoods on. Uh, they're holding Jewish people. And it was a really interesting approach. But from music, and that is one of the main reasons why, uh, you know, cannabis was uh, vilified because of this, uh, this whole dance with uh, jazz and whites and blacks together. So it took many, many years for that desegregation to happen. And I think it started happening early on with uh, when uh, Chess Records came into play and the, the blues guys from like the Delta, when they started moving to Chicago and they started plugging into the other labels, once again, owned by Jewish immigrants, but they started getting those musicians together and actually having them record and then uh, progressively getting some white acts on that too. And same thing with uh, Blue Note. Blue Note was open to everybody. And I think it's a, an integrated label. When you look at you know the, the fringe music, and at that time, this was the music. It's the same way hip hop is today. That was jazz yeah, back yeah, in the day. That's why my father- this, was the, this is the new progressive music. This was it. And all the young kids, as they do, they dress a certain way, and they, you know, they listen to that music. And, it's and the they smoked weed. Of- I mean, that was part of it. I know that, um, by the way, this podcast will not be sponsored by Ford or DuPont. Uh, <laughs> so we can just uh, take those off our list of uh, potential sponsors. But I'm, I'm so happy you're sharing all this with me. And, and it's fascinating. And it makes sense. And I'm certainly very you know, well-versed in the prohibition movement. And it's incredibly racist if you look back on it. It's, I mean, it's, it's beyond belief that that actually happened. And yet you're saying, wow, it's beyond belief that that actually happened. And you see the same kind of vilification happening just in different ways now in America. So yes, it's shocking. And we sort of thought we were over it. And maybe cannabis is not enemy number one right now, especially given the fact that all these states voted to legalize it. But you know, now they'll just find some other enemies. They'll always make enemies out of uh, Well, the there's a whole strategy to this. <clears throat> I was listening to... Um... I was listening to somebody talk about, I don't know, have you seen The Social Dilemma? Yes, I have. Documentary. So the guy, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I was listening to his podcast. And he said that Facebook shut down 3 billion uh, fake accounts. Right. I didn't even know Facebook had 3 billion users. Yeah. They shut down 3 billion. And, and, the, and the whole thing was, I was like, oh, they're shutting down fake accounts because people are you know, telling you, you know, Trump did this or, or whatever, whatever the side was, but it wasn't like that. The, he said what they were doing was they were supporting each side even more. So if you're a Republican, what you're getting is Republican propaganda over and over and over just to elevate your heightened love for your party and all this stuff. And they were doing the same thing on the Democrat side. And the reason for this is to be able to create a bigger divide between mm-hmm. the two. So the, the idea of you know, Russia and China, the idea to destabilize a democracy is to be able to create division. Yep. The more division you create, the more destabilization you have. By the way, I'm just, uh, you know, putting it out there. I'm an independent. I was registered as an independent for many years. So I just kind of pull things. Uh, I, there's a, you know, there's decency and all the other stuff that I, I respect as a value. Yes, I have some fiscal conservatism and all these other things, but 
you know, there's certain things that are really important to me and they're more important to me than taxes. Yeah. Taxes are important, but they're not the most important thing. Right. And I had this discussion with my dad and my friends too. Like I have a lot of Republican friends and we can have somewhat intelligent conversations with some of them because I'm like, there are certain things I agree, certain things I don't agree, but my values may be misaligned with your values. So if something is important, like, you know, national security is really important. Taxes are really important. How do you prioritize those in terms of values is different for me, maybe different for you. And you can vote accordingly. And that's why we live in this country. I'm an immigrant. So mm. I'm super grateful to have the opportunity to be given this a right and to vote so I can express my opinion. But I'm open to listening to what the other side is saying. And if we don't come together, we're all going to lose. And that's, yeah. that's the whole thing that I don't think people are, are really, really getting. I'm trying to understand the other side. And, you know, I found out my across the street neighbors voted for Trump sort of because I was taking there was a the day that Biden won. There was this beautiful rainbow, double rainbow that appeared yeah. over L.A. with no rain. It was crazy. And everybody was like, what a sign, you know, and I was taking pictures of it and selfies. And then my neighbor was kind of grumpy. And, you know, this guy's 30 years old. He's not a kind of like classic uh, Trump supporter. Um, and we start, you know, he said, well, it's not a happy day for me. And I was like, really? And we, and we had a reasonable conversation and we sort of did a lot of like, we want to stay good friends as neighbors. And, you know, he comes from that whole Adam Carolla. Um, there's a sort of school of like, I don't know. It's a, I can't even explain. There's another type of Trump voter. It's a little like, I don't really care about the man. I care about the policies and, you know, this country's losing its way. And that, that kind of argument. And I can't get past the man. If you want to, not to promote my other podcast, but right about now this week, I have a a forensic psychologist named Brandy, Bandy Lee on, and she's been studying Trump for years and she, and has diagnosed Trump, um, with, with narcissistic, obviously with, with pathological narcissism. But I mean, he is a very ill person and I don't know what he's capable of. And I know that people think that's some sort of Trump derangement syndrome, but I mean, even the way he's reacting to what's going on right now. You know, as we're recording this, he's refusing to acknowledge the results of this election. I mean, what person does that? Like, we know that he lost. He knows that he lost, but he doesn't know he lost because he can't see the truth. And I think that's a very dangerous person to have in the White House. I think we we try to judge him under, uh, by our standards of what normal human behavior is, but he isn't really like us, uh, like many of us. I mean, there could be some narcissists listening to this. And I think you have to take that into account. And I just couldn't, give my children a world where that person is in charge of our country. It's like having a toddler run your country. And it was very personal to me as well as practical. I can't get beyond that. Like I understand taxes are important and look, I'm a small business owner. I don't want to have high taxes either, but I can't imagine that dictating my, my decision to let that man stand. And my, my conversation is a little bit different than yours because I go through the politics of it and I understand policy I used to be a lobbyist, so I unpack and I can have a conversation. If somebody's equally open to having that conversation, they're in. It's exactly what you said. I can go through policy and say, I like this policy. Right. I like that policy. That was really good. But overall, the man, as you said, who's tweeting, who I'm talking to all my friends around the world, like, holy shit, what the fuck is this guy saying? He's a president of the United right. States. Like, you're tweeting stuff that's toxic. And it's, it's really, to me, it's what you said. I don't want to leave that example of a leader who's supposed to be the most powerful man in the world, the pow- most powerful person in the world. The values that he possesses are really important to me. So as a yeah. human being of uh, coming with compassion, love, empathy, somebody who's a clinical narcissist, like you just said, doesn't possess those. They can't possess those. And if you don't have a, a world leader who's setting an example of being that type of person, that to me is at least as important, if not more important, than all the other policies combined. So that's uh, that, that's. Sort I of think life. the saving grace here is that I also think he's a coward, and I think we kind of dodged a bullet this time around. That if we had had somebody with Trump's narcissism and charisma, but was also brave, um, you know, we might be in, in a real situation right now. Now uh, this could be come out, and we could. It'd be in a nuclear war for all I know. But I mean, you know, a narcissist is going to take everybody down with them. He doesn't care because it's all about his whole world revolves around him. So and and the preservation of his ego. And if that means taking everybody down with him, what does he care? He has no empathy for anybody other than himself. So but I also think 
Trump has sort of indicated to us that he's a bit of a wimp. So I'm I'm a little bit encouraged by that. <clears throat> for me, it's a it's a whole new world. It's a new rebirth for me based yeah. on my near death experience. And I'm super grateful to have somebody in the White House. Oh, this last thing on, on politics, but uh, the excuse that I heard a lot was Joe Biden is a puppet who's in really, really, really bad health. Yeah. And he's going to be dead right. within a year. And then Kamala's Kamala, going to, yeah. Kamala, yeah. Kamala Harris is going to be a president. I know. And everybody did that's this on their purpose. favorite. Yeah, that's, that's their favorite. That's, I'm like, okay. And they I hate her. It. They think her she's such a bleeding heart liberal. And actually, it's funny because liberals <laughs> think that she's kind of moderate. So it's it's so backwards, the whole thing. It's crazy. But anyway, we'll, we'll take it one day. Well, Joe did jog. I saw him jogging. When that he was, was great. I liked when he <laughs> jogged up to the stage. That was pretty cool. Anyway, you, you know. Show everybody. Yeah. All right. Let's moving on from politics. Okay. You and I thought it would be fun to do a segment called Underrated and Overrated. Yeah. And then in this segment, we look at things that we believe are underrated and overrated in the world, uh, in various aspects of our pop culture or whatever it may be. And yeah. we thought, you know, since we're both such passionate hip hop aficionados, let's start with underrated and overrated rappers. Um, yeah. I'm wearing an EPMD shirt. So I'll just tell you right now that that was somewhat intentional because I think EPMD is one of the most underrated hip hop groups. Uh, ever but I absolutely agree i saw them two years ago uh eric sermon i mean come on everybody that knows hip-hop has to pay homage to and you have to understand when they came out there what their style of rap was very different the kind of slow flow yeah. offbeat rhythm yeah. nobody was doing that everybody was doing the kind of like you know it was we were still in the phase of like the dead well it's just staccato rap it's like yeah. big daddy kane and uh, yeah Kuma and all those guys and and you're right and uh, nice and smooth also had a really nice flow yeah the flow time. started changing and mm-hmm. epmd out of out of long island there was all these guys coming out of long island like rakim and eric b yeah and uh they just had a whole different off tempo so i would really somebody once asked me you know what are re- records that i should buy to kind of introduce me to early kind of earliest hip-hop and i i on that list i had strictly business from epmd because i thought it was kind of a seminal record and there's a ton of hits but people don't talk about epmd that much which is no. surprising but anyway that isn't even my overrated underrated but i just thought i'd chip so i'm going to start with you so let's start with overrated yeah I, I have a very very controversial okay so I'm, I'm i know excited. i'm gonna get a whole bunch of flack and all right so i'm gonna preface this by saying number one i am east coast I do love a lot of West Coast rappers, so it has nothing to do with East Coast, West Coast, and it doesn't have anything to do with uh, me taking a side specifically. And I do believe a couple things. So before I say who it is, I think this person is or was prolific. Mm-hmm. They were, from what I heard from people that actually knew this person, he can go in a booth and spit right off top of his head and write songs and just be prolific, which is great. It just didn't connect with me. And yeah. what didn't connect with me is not the lyrics, because I do like the lyrics. It's the delivery. This this whole flow. I like a flow that kind of glides through the beats and the, and the gaps. And the way that you rap, in the, you stay sort of in this pocket. And when you're going over the pocket and you're doing this staccato kind of rhythm, mm-hmm. it just something doesn't connect with me. The, the person that actually, I think, did that really, really well that created their own style is DMX. Mm-hmm. DMX had this kind of shout, yeah. and he would go hard, hard, hard in pocket. So anyway, uh, now that I said all this, my most overrated uh, hip-hop rapper is Tupac. <sighs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to... I should be, like, shocked, and, like, you know, at this point, I should just turn off the Zoom and walk out of the room, but I am kind of with you on Tupac. I've never been a huge Tupac fan. I, I be, I'll reserve my opinion. So you you give me your explanation, then I will well, chime in. Well, that's, I mean, there's, he's got so much stuff out. There was so much of it. And a lot of it's not good. Yeah. I love All Eyes on Me. I love California Love. When he gets a good producer and yeah. he can actually take what he did really well and put it in a flow that appeals to me, I like that. Even Dear Mama. Dear Mama, like, I like quite a bit. I, I like it and I love the sentiment of it. But it's, but that's pretty much it. And I, I've listened and I tried. I actually sat down last night and I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Let me go through my Tupac catalog. And there's so much stuff. And let's see, maybe I'm missing something. 
And I went through it with fresh ears and listened to it again. And I'm like, nope, same exact thing. I like what I like. And I really think All Eyes on Me and, the, and that one song where he was uh, mad at, um, at Biggie. Well, it was really good when he when he was spewing. Yeah, anger. yeah. Him and Big, some of the best Tupac is actually when he's going after Biggie. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really like. But overall, it's just the style of delivery. And I know that all my West Coast hip hop family is going to be really pissed at me. And like, oh, you're East Coast, you're Biggie. And I do love Biggie, but I like that flow. It just doesn't, it doesn't I, appeal to me. The thing about Tupac, I can never get past the fact that he was also an actor. And he really, it's almost like he doesn't feel as authentic to me as a lot of the rappers. Like, I feel like he's putting on a voice. Like, it's not even really... Yeah his voice and that always kind of disconnected me from his music like it just feels like he's a character rapping and his raps are great and he's got some classic raps and I think if I had grown up in Los Angeles when he was at his peak I probably would be much more of a fan because I think part of his appeal was sort of when he came out and what was happening in music at that time in the west coast and I think that was exciting and his backstory isn't really interesting with his mother being part of the Black Panthers etc but I don't know. His he's he's a little bit corny to me. Like he's just not somebody that I would ever be like. Oh, I'm going to listen to a Tupac record and just right. like it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like a bit like a character. I'm glad you agree with I'm, me. I'm in I, it, I and mean, of course, here are two East Coast guys coming down on one of the West Coast <laughs> legends. Uh, so I'm going to have to on my overrated. I'm going to have to stick with the East Coast because I'm sure there's we could find. You know, I thought of a few other West Coast rappers that are super overrated, but I'm not going to go there because I, I want to show my love for the West Coast, my new my new home. Um, <laughs> I'm going to drop one here that I think is a guy that I think is overrated, and that's 50 Cent. I think that 50 Cent, go shorty, it's your birthday, what's that one? Um, that's a good in cl- rap. In the club. In the club. In the club is a good rap. It's a It's fun. It's a club banger, and I loved it when it came out. But honestly, if you listen to... 50 cent after in the club i mean there's candy shop there's a few others that are okay but it's always kind of the same and i just feel like he didn't really offer anything new to the game i think he's more interesting after his rap career although now he's he's a big trump supporter so i don't love that but um he's you know he's a real good entrepreneur and he has a lot of um interesting things that he's done post rap career to kind of keep his name alive in the public eye but he actually just as a just if you just strike him down as a rapper not that good a rapper he's got a great story you know he's shot all these times and he's but he's just like as an mc i've just never really liked his voice i don't really like his rhymes he doesn't tell really good stories i just there's nothing about him that i've ever liked except for in the club yeah i do agree with you i i do like pimp i love that pimp Uh, i love the baseline of that um but i think i i kind of equate 50 cent to Flo Rida. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not a fair comparison, but it's it's the guy that it's the song that you play in a club because yeah, it's, it's like got great beats. Banger. Yeah. But it's not the one that I'm gonna sit and listen to on my headphones in the car because the lyrics connect to me. I don't I don't actually the flow is very similar. Every single song sounds the same, and I'm not sure if this is the production of it, but I agree with you. And he and I, I am a big fan of 50 Cent because he wrote with Robert Greene, The uh, 50th Law of Power, which is one of my favorite books. That an is incredible a, an book. incredible book. Well, he wrote, did he write, so he came with the 50 Laws of Persuasion. Well, Robert Greene first wrote another book. or <clears throat> did he, 48 Laws of Power. He right. wrote 48 Laws of Power, and then he wrote The uh, Law of uh, attra- uh, Attraction. Yeah, Attraction. That, no, that's an incredible he, book. Although 50 yeah. Cent used it in some ways sometimes for, from what my understanding of and reading about this is that sometimes 50 Cent used some of those laws in a way that wasn't necessarily a positive. Um, yeah. Because, well. that, that, you know, you can really manipulate <laughs> those laws. I mean, he's not the only one. Trust me. Well, this we have was, to have a president. Was, yeah. So Robert Greene said that the number one book of all the crime bosses and the number one book in jail was the 40th Law of Power. So right. there are nefarious ways that you can use right. those laws for sure right well anyway so i don't know 50 cent the man he's probably a good guy hey he dated chelsea handler who i know, who i had the pleasure, yeah. pleasure of once of interviewing yeah. and she's she's very mad at him because of the whole trump thing but um you know he i think he's a smart guy he's a very good businessman i just don't love his um his 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 raps so i'm gonna put yeah. him on my list of the most overrated not the most but an overrated rapper this list could could keep going i mean and then, you know, I don't even talk about Ice-T. Oh, I said it. But anyway, um, 
but uh, six in the morning. Come on, man. You can't do iced tea. We talk Well, the problem with that iced tea is that he's just copying Schoolie D, and you should respect that because you're being from Philly. But and he'll admit it. He'll be the first to admit he's just copying uh, another rapper named Schoolie D. But anyway, so but I think we'll, he did early on. But when when you listen to Colors, Colors, oh, that's that's a classic, Colors. man. Love colors, but uh, you know he he sort of transitioned, and I really love the work they do with Body Count, and I commend them tremendously for standing up. I was at a concert where it was in in Philly University City, right by University of Pennsylvania, where the entire building was surrounded by cops. Yeah, and I told him uh, he can't play cop killer, and there was probably sixty people in the whole place, really really small. And then he's playing one song, and then he breaks in the cop killer really, really loud. And, uh, yeah, that was it, and the cops didn't do anything. Again, it's it's a hard thing to do over Ray Henry because it's like we're just talking about pure rapper. You know, like, he's yeah. a good actor. He's yeah. kind of a good guy. Like, I like Ice-T as a person. Like, I, anything I know about him, I like. And I love what he did for the rap game. Like, he's he's yeah. a pivotal figure. I just don't love his... Like, again, it's not... But but again, I don't want to sound like Mr. East Coast telling the West Coasters that I don't like their rap because he's like a... He's a legend. All right. Underrated. Now underrated. All right. So for me, it's so funny because we, we talked about this for a little bit. I initially had the same person that you did and then I took it off for some reason because maybe I felt that you were going to have it, but it would have been really funny if we had the same one. But I started going through and listening to songs and I was like... Man, this guy and this group and then this guy solo, super underrated because yeah. he's also a very, very well-respected actor now. And I don't think people see him as a really pivotal, prolific uh, rapper. Uh, so mine is most Def. Interesting. And he is known as Yasin Bey now. And this is both most Def and... Most Def with Blackstar with uh, Talib Kweli, mm-hmm. who I've seen live uh, solo. Miss Fat Booty. Yeah, Miss Fat Booty. An amazing, amazing, way, way underrated hip-hop song. If anybody wants to really listen to mathematics, those are two amazing, amazing tracks. Really, really dive deep into the Most Def catalog of his own stuff. His flow is incredible. He can do... Jamaican flow, he can do all kinds of things, and especially when he was a black star, just prolific. So, very, very underrated. A really good actor and hip hop artist. So I love it. Underrated. All right, I'm going to go with Guru as my most underrated rapper. And a lot of times, people will put Guru in with Gangstar since he was part of this group, Gangstar, which yeah. was which was Guru and DJ Premier. But Guru as an MC is off the charts and I think we both agree I don't know why he isn't credited as being like one of the greats like top five I just think his voice everything about him his flow the way he tells stories it puts you in a pocket of like just pure bliss I just think if you have to pick up a gangstar record there's two gangstar records I recommend very highly one is daily operation and the other is jazzmatazz and I know that you you and I love jazzmatazz it's one of the <laughs> greatest albums ever made it's like oh, one of the greatest album. albums ever made for sure yeah. for, like albums forget yeah. that it's hip-hop just one of the greatest albums yeah. and it's a complete change to the entire genre when right. he went that way and then he had mc solar like oh, if God. you really listen to that album i mean oh if you think God. about it like jazz and Mataz, you know that precluded you know tribe call quest all the guys that ended up introducing jazz to their hip-hop i mean this was like a the first and um you know, it's just, it's a work of art. It's incredible. And there, there is a rap with MC Solar on there that is, I could, I mean, I listen to it and I like, it gives me the chills every time. It's just, it's so uh, unbelievable. Agreed. Um, agreed, yeah. I completely agree with you. And like I said, I, I had him on my list first. So yeah, I, yeah we're, we're in complete agreement. And I'm, I'm going to throw one other down there. I'm just going to give props to a very old school guy. And his name is Super Rhymes. And he also goes by the name of Jimmy Spicer. Jimmy Spicer and Super Rhymes is one of the earliest rappers but if you ever want to hear just like the greatest kind of storytelling early rap, listen to Super Rhymes. It's called The Adventure of Super Rhymes. It's like a 20 minute rap. It, he just, he doesn't stop. I, they probably did it in one take and he just keeps going. And he has this voice that is like, 
you know, it's definitely like, it's the new, you know, he definitely does that kind of like thing that, that um, rappers used to do back in the day. But, yeah, yeah. but his rhymes are incredible. And I used to have that whole thing memorized, the 20 minute rap of the super rhymes. They never, they always talk about rappers delight, but they don't talk about super rhymes, which came shortly thereafter and was also just an incredible record. Um, so anyway, those are my two that I'm going to tell yeah. you guys. Is that your, is there your go-to uh, when you have to like do hip hop karaoke? You know, I, I, you know, my go-to is is Rapper's Delight. I always do Rapper's Delight. But now I start, I get up there and I'm starting to think like, is this like, you know, when I'm doing Big Bang Hank's voice, I'm like, is this slightly unpolitically <laughs> Ooh, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but I don't know. I, I've done karaoke. They have a live piano karaoke um, thing in LA. And I, a few times I've asked the, the piano player to put on to do a little bit of good times. And I, I start doing Rapper's Delight. It definitely brings down the house. I do uh, Minus Paid in Full. Everything oh, that's a good one. I love that. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yep. It's a great one it's with the great. Dennis Edwards uh, backbeat um, oh, yeah. sample. And kind of full circle, come back to a guru and Gangstar. I really urge people to listen to Gangstar also. Yeah. Because if you listen to Mass Appeal, just the what an amazing, amazing song. And then they would get everybody together in albums. Like there's that, um, maybe I'm pronouncing wrong, but it's Dwight. D-W-I-K. Yep. D-W-Y-C-K. Yeah. If you listen to it, it's premier. It's nice and smooth. It's gangstar. I mean, you have such amazing, amazing, you know, rappers on one track and the the beat's amazing. And then uh, they took the sample. So uh, Run the Jewels used that sample. Ooh la la. They used it in their hit song as well. And premier produced it. So I think it's a great tune. Well, this is. Anyway, I'm so glad that we agree on on so much when it comes to music. someday we're probably going to find. Well, we we've had our little dispute about blues, but um, well, even yeah, in I'm rappers, not, I'm, I'm not done with you yet on blues. I have a whole right, and I'm not done with you out. on rappers because I'm sure I have a few rappers <laughs> that I like that I do not like that you like because I can be pretty harsh and I didn't I didn't want to bring them up this time because I wanted to keep the hate to a bare minimum. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, yeah, there's no hate, but we have to do a thing on Ozzy. This is a have you heard because I have This is a have you heard. Okay, but, okay. But it's have you heard just from my gift to you. So it's have you heard because you're not an Ozzy guy. I want to present this in three different segments of Ozzy's career. And what I wanted to do was present songs that are not the ones that everybody hears on the radio. So the first song is uh, a Black Sabbath song. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why I chose that. So if you want to uh, share that uh, yeah, let song me, uh, first. I'm going to call it up. Of, I'm going to call it up yeah. right here. And you know me with my, my ads. Oh, there it is. By the way, all of Sabbath's songs have very long intros, so get ready for like a minute intro. But I want you to hear the Yeah. 
love that. I, that, that, that is the I, wizard. I mean, that is the wizard by Black That is the wizard by Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, the wizard. That was really good. That I mean, obviously, I I hear quite a bit of Led Zeppelin in that, but I mean, that was the music of that time. 1970. So it's uh, you know definitely Tony Ione and the uh, Geezer Butler. Geezer wrote a lot of those songs. He's the bass player. And right. Tony is a virtuoso, and he's missing fingertips. So he oh, wow. plays with like these uh, rubber fingertips. Now you wanted to play me another one. Yeah, Ozzy went through three different iterations. So it was Ozzy with Black Sabbath. Then he got kicked out of Black Sabbath, and they they got Ronnie James Dio to be their lead singer. And Ozzy was kind of lost, and he didn't know what to do. And he met this guy Randy Rhodes, uh, who was a really really young like uh, guitar player, was a virtuoso. And this guy is amazing. Randy Rhodes ended up passing away in a plane crash. Crash right in front of Ozzy, basically. Oh, wow. And then uh, Ozzy was devastated from that. And so it was uh, in Sharon. So, and then he had to reinvent himself and create the next iteration of Ozzy. So he's been doing this for, you know, I don't know, 60 years or so, doing the same 50 plus years. Right. And this is the Randy Rhodes era. So I wanted to kind of introduce you. All to right, that. here we go, Randy Rhodes. The reason why I did this is a live uh, version. Of, yeah. I want it. Okay. Randy Rhodes does this amazing guitar solo. Let's see uh, if I we can find it. Oh, I see it coming. Here we go. Yeah, that was an incredible soul. In some ways, um, Spinal Tap has ruined this kind of music for me because I all I could think of is like this is basically like a scene from Spinal Tap. I mean, if you guys it's, see the video, Ozzy Osbourne, Mr. Crowley, yes. 1981, he's got the long hair. He looks exactly with the with the shirt that's opened up all the way to his chest. It's hilarious. But this is the real thing. But this was kind of what they were spoofing too. So that is yeah. absolutely true. It's very 80s. And so the last one is a experience that I've uh, personally had where a song was played for me raw and then uh, the next week i heard the song on the radio and it sounded completely different with uh, a modern day uh, player on it so introducing you to this song <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne with Post Malone, the probably and I believe unlikely Travis do. Scott is on that too. Is Travis Scott on that too? Take yeah. what you want. Um, yes. An unexpected alliance of talent, and yet it works <laughs> somehow. I agree that it works. I actually saw Post Malone with my son 
right before the pandemic. And unfortunately, I think Ozzy showed up at the last show. We we went to the the show the night before, and Ozzy didn't make an appearance. So that was oh, right. he I think did. This is, That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is from that uh, show, so that kind of breaks my heart. But um, this is true confession, and I I'm sure this will be controversial. This is a whole other conversation. But I love Post Malone. I I just I really like Post Malone quite a bit. And I, well, I think he's great. I, I the first time I saw him, he opened up for Justin Bieber. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I right. My I mean, he, he's kind of lumped into that world, but he's totally different, and he's very good. And I know well, that he's a big pop star, but I think he's yeah, fantastic. Well, I, I I don't know if you saw the Joe Rogan interview with Post Malone. No, I got to see that. Her, oh her. my god! Well, they were they were microdosing on uh, shrooms and smoking weed and oh, drinking. Wow. And he was drinking beer like the entire thing, and he's all tattooed now. Yeah, I'm head. worried a little bit. I I must say that I do feel like there might need to be an intervention. I think he's an incredible artist, but he is like really. I mean, the whole show he was drinking and drinking and drinking. God knows what else he yeah. was doing. It, there's definitely yeah, like a, a lot of um, partaking of. Uh, well, he moved to he moved to Utah, so he's trying to. Kind okay, of, uh, I mean, I I would be a tragedy if anything happened to him because he's a really great yeah. artist. And if you really want to see Post Malone uh, has done like some concerts out of his home mm. during uh, during COVID, so and he does a lot of like really interesting covers, and he like plays guitar and and. It's, I mean, like, the story wow. of Post Malone. I mean, he just basically like did this all on his own. I mean, that uh, White Iverson. Yeah, the whole Post Malone thing has always been confusing. First of all, I thought he was basically, it was about Carl Malone and he was posting up like Carl Malone had nothing to do with either of those things. Mm. It was just- uh, Wasn't it Moses Malone? He, well, yeah, there was Moses Malone and then- Moses was, Malone is the first post up guy. That's true. That's true. So it was like, I said, Carl, Carl Malone, Moses Malone, you coming from Philly. Yeah. Um, and Iverson. And, Remember, it's like Post Malone. Yeah, then with post White Malone, Iverson. So you're like, okay, this is like some <laughs> basketball playing- no, it turned out that it had nothing to do with any of that stuff. Yeah. That was a lot. I don't know if you want to hear mine because I feel like to, to follow Ozzy, like it's tough. I can do mine next week, but okay. that you've definitely got me into Ozzy. I, I think I like his earliest stuff the most, but that's just more my taste. I, I really liked that wizard thing, even though it sounds. I will, I will set you up with a lot of Black Sabbath. Like I have, uh, Paranoids right behind me. And yeah, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. I didn't want to play it because everybody knows War Pigs. Everybody knows well, Iron Man. Well, the thing Man. is, I don't. I'm the word. I know Iron Man because, I mean, how could yeah. you not? But I think I've told you this, that I'm this bizarre white child of the 80s that that missed all this music that all my friends were listening to because I was really into urban music at that time. So I, while everybody yeah. else was listening to Black Sabbath and, like, Yes and all that kind of stuff, I was listening to, like, you know, Patti LaBelle and, and you know, just, like, totally Slick the Rick. system and Slick Rick. and But even, like, disco, early disco, you yeah. know, not early disco, but, like, post-disco, early 80s disco. And so I missed all this stuff. And now I listen to it, like, even Zeppelin. And now I listen to it, I'm like, this stuff is amazing. And I remember my friend telling me, like, dude, I'm having the conversation with you that I, I had when I was 16 years old. Like, I can't have this conversation <laughs> at 50. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. who do you think's a better drummer, Neil Peart or... John Bonham. John Bonham. And then and he's like, dude, I can't even like this conversation. I've had that debate, you know, again, 40 years ago. Like, I'm not going to go there. I, I do think oh. John Bonham's better. But uh, I, but I, I think Neil Peart is a jazz drummer lyricist. And so, same with Ginger Baker, by the way. It's another one that I would throw in the mix as pure power drummer who is an equal to the other members of the group. I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think I think it's not fair for anybody to compare anybody to John Bonham. I mean, like he definitely created something that's very, very unique. I, I agree. We would like you to send us your underrated, overrated suggestions, also, because yes. we're going to take we're going to take a category. Obviously, this week we did rappers, but we would love to hear uh, some other things. You know, it could be anything from like food to vacation places, and we'd love yeah. to get some of your takes on uh, maybe underrated and overrated pot strains. Um, I won't be too articulate on that, but I can tell you right now, diesel sour. I mean, come on. I have no idea. I just remembered. <laughs> sour diesel. Sorry, sour diesel. Well, it was- <laughs> it shows you. The editor of Green Entrepreneur just got wrong. <laughs> the most popular pot strain. All right. Well, I, my, my controversy is going to be strains are bullshit anyway, so I'm glad. Please send in your sour your, diesel and your yeah. Alaskan thunderfuck and whatever else you have. You could get us I'll in trouble if we do our, our most underrated and overrated cannabis brands, but... Uh, maybe we'll stick to overrated, but underrated I can do. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, Len. Yeah. Thank you for another exciting episode of Everything is Personal. 
Well, thank you, John. I enjoyed it as always. I'm so glad we're on the same page. I can't wait for us to disagree. Well, we kind of did, and, and the, the middle '80s figure. Ozzy wasn't wasn't your favorite. That's okay. I, it was no, I actually liked it. It just wasn't my favorite, but I do like the updated Ozzy and Post Malone. I wonder if Ozzy did he write that song or is that just like yeah. a collaborative? And I had it played to me on a phone and a little mini speaker, which was really so he wrote it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I yeah, love that. I love that Boyzone was a fan, too. It wasn't produced at all. It was just strip, like guitar, and Ozzy. Till next time, thank you all for tuning in to Everything Is Personal. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects Network.